It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. You built the wall. You ended catch and release. Now we see what's happening, your reaction to all of it. Well, there has never been a better time six months ago, and there's never been a worse time. We had the tightest security. You could come into our country legally. But you know what else we were stopping? Massive amounts of drugs, human traffickers, bad, bad people, criminals. They're emptying their jails into our country. You know, other countries are emptying their jails into our country. We never had it better, and now we've never had it worse. In the history of our country, that was President Trump uh, talking about his trip to the border. He had a press conference with Governor Greg Abbott about what's going on at the border, and certainly we know that he's not exaggerating. He's telling us exactly what it is that happened. Uh, and ironically, uh, not so ironically, the trouble for President Trump, you know, they've already removed him from social media, and yet he's out there. Uh, but, of course, now today it looks like President Trump's organization will be, actually, I think they were indicted yesterday by a grand jury in Manhattan. Uh, the indictments were against uh, the Trump organization and against his CEO, Alan Weisselberg. It will be unsealed this afternoon, so you can hear all about it. You get to hear about all the criminal acts that the Trump organization did, and how will we ever know if it's true? How can we ever trust it? But um, nevertheless, uh, and as a matter of fact, in my inbox just this morning before I went on the air, Alan Weiselberg has surrendered himself to authorities, and so what a nightmare for him. Can you imagine? Can you? I mean, if, if there were justice, if we had confidence in our courts and in the system, then you would say, well, it needs to be heard. Let's just see if something has been done. But we, I don't have any trust. Do you have any trust? I don't have any trust. And so I'm sure this is the first of many uh, personal prices that the president and his team, his family, will pay uh, for for what they dared to do, which was try to make this country great again. And so that's the news on that. And uh, ironically, along with that, I just got, um, this is not new news, but you probably haven't heard it. Handwritten notes from Peter Strzok disclosed by the DOJ in federal court yesterday show that the operation against Michael Flynn was ordered by President Barack Obama and Joe Biden in the Oval Office January the 5th, 2017. There's a long article about this uh, in uh, The Federalist, which we'll put on our Facebook page. Explosive new FBI notes confirm Obama-directed anti-Flynn operation. Uh, Barack Obama and Joe Biden, Vice President Joe Biden in the Oval Office. But somehow, you know, somehow that's okay. People, you don't understand. General Flynn had done nothing. This was a pure political uh, action and using the full force of the American government and its, you know, many resources on going after people with law enforcement and investigations and charges, this is what they did. This is what our founders did not want 
And this is why we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. This is why Lady Justice is blind. These are the reasons why our founding fathers fought so hard for things like this not to happen. So Barack Obama is, you know, having a good time, making lots of money, living, you know, I think he has three homes now. And uh, Joe Biden, well, he's eating ice cream and uh, doing whatever it is that he's doing, uh, which is just about everything destructive you can imagine, which takes me to some other news today. Just quickly, let me tell you that gas prices have surged. They are at the highest level in seven years. Remember that Joe Biden stopped the Keystone Pipeline while allowing Russians to build a pipeline in Germany and into, to, to provide oil and natural gas for Europe. And somehow that's okay, but that's what Joe Biden and uh, Barack Obama are doing, free, scot-free, free as a bird. I remember uh, Bill Ayers the, on 9-11 the first 9-11, when New York City was blasted and all the planes went, you know, attacked various parts. We all remember that, don't we? Although, I think people are getting younger, obviously, and they don't even remember that day. But uh, the on that very day, Bill Ayers, who was a radical activist who later went into the University of Illinois and became a writer for school curriculum, he and his wife Bernadine Dorn were criminals, uh, they were part of the underground, whether underground, radical Marxists, uh, and yet they, Bernadine ended up at Northwestern. She's still there in uh, as a law professor. But Bill, Bill Gates, Bill, Bill on that day, not Bill Gates, uh, Bill Ayers, uh, was on the cover of the New York Times Magazine, and he's it's a full page picture of him, uh, and he is standing on the American flag. And it's forgive my language, but the um, the caption was uh, "free as a bird, guilty as sin." Free as a bird, guilty as sin, or guilty. I think he said hell, actually. And that was the headline of that magazine on that day. And sort of, sort of like this, isn't it? It's kind of like what we're seeing right here. And by the way, a Fox News poll shows that as uh, the fourth approaches, and I don't want to put a damper on your celebrations. I'm not going to let this put a damper on mine. But it looks like fewer and fewer voters, especially young ones, believe that the U.S. is the best place to live. Is that a shock? Almost, but here's interesting. Almost seven out of ten voters believe America is the greatest country to reside in, but it's down from 83 percent in 2015, and down from 84 percent in April of 2011. And of course, they break it down, and the younger people are, the less they feel this is the best place to live. I still think it's the best place to live. Having traveled and been in a lot of other places and been from that vantage point, it's still a free country. I, I think maybe if you're in New York and California, you might have a different viewpoint, but most of us are still free, and that's what we're fighting to maintain. Something really important yesterday happened, and this will not mean a lot to most of you. Donald Rumsfeld, who was the youngest and oldest U.S. Defense Secretary, died yesterday at the age of 88, and um, I wish I had... A lot of time to, to talk about him. Let me just say he was a collegiate wrestler. He was a Navy pilot. He was a three-term Illinois congressman. He was a NATO ambassador, a White House chief of staff, a drug company executive, and he served twice as the U.S. Defense Secretary. Um, he first led the Pentagon in 1975 under President Gerald Ford. Remember, that's after the impeachment of uh, uh, Richard Nixon. And then he came back again uh, to serve George W. Bush as um, his uh, defense secretary, and did he led us through the war on terror. 
Uh, he completely changed the American military. And uh, I, I, last night, Mark Teason, I know Mark, Mark, I did not really, I didn't remember this. Mark was a speechwriter for Donald Rumsfeld. Uh, what, the point I want to make in all of this is that Rumsfeld is the old school statesman. And by old school in that, I don't mean business as usual, boring, staid, bad. I mean a patriot who has credentials off the charts to serve in this country. Now we have presidents and congressmen who know almost nothing about their – they know nothing about history. They don't have an understanding of economics. Uh, but it used to be when people served us, their resume was thick and full. And Don Rumsfeld is one of those, and he also just a delightful personality. I want you to hear Mark Teason reflecting on his time with Don Rumsfeld. Let's listen. He would always in those press briefings, he would say, uh, I will, uh, I'll answer the question, uh, I'll respond to the questions I like and answer the ones I don't. <laughs> he, uh, he always had a way with words. Uh, it was, it was hard, to, hard to write for him because he, he said things so, in such a unique way and always better than anything you could come up with for him. Um, I, I think Larry hit on the, the, the key point. He was, he, was, he was, a lot of people come through Washington and, and no one notices when they're gone. Donald Rumsfeld was a transformational figure. He, uh, you know, if you, you think about, you know, I mean, everybody has the, the image of him running to the rubble of, of, of the uh, where the plane hit the Pentagon and helping to I pull think we people have that out shot. of the rubble. But he yeah, but he he pulled, uh, you know, he, he also planned one of the most innovative military campaigns in American history. I don't think a lot of people realize that the first war of the 20th century began with a cavalry charge. He uh, he put together a military plan that combined the most advanced 21st century air power with Afghan and, and special forces fighters on horseback charging down through through the smoke on on Taliban and Al Qaeda uh, positions. Um, and and it changed the way we fight uh, and in lasting ways. And it didn't make a lot of headlines it led below the visibility of what people saw. But he transformed our military. He completely transformed the army from this ancient, antiquated division structure into these mobile brigade combat teams that can go anywhere around the world. He created new military commands. He 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 revitalized our, our ballistic missile defenses, which is why we can we might be able to defend against a North Korean missile attack is because of his work. Uh, he transformed our global posture, force posture. So all of these things that he did in office are still benefiting. They benefited the three presidents that have, ser have, have served uh, uh, since he left office, and they're benefiting the Biden administration today, and they're going to benefit uh, whoever Biden's successor is. Uh, these are, these are lasting accomplishments that will never be taken away. Yeah, and kind of contrast Donald Rumsfeld. By the way, he ran, uh, he was born in Chicago uh, in 1932. He attended Princeton. On scholarship, uh, he received a commission in the Navy. He flied. He flew. He flied. <laughs> he flew. <laughs> oh, wow! Seaplanes and served as a flight instructor. He was elected to Congress in 1962 at age 30. He was reelected four times. He served on President Richard Nixon's cabinet. He became Gerald Ford's chief of staff, then Defense Secretary. You know, I could just go on and on. And not only this, but uh, Donald Rumsfeld was just so incredibly engaging. And as uh, Mark alluded, he was. So clever. I wish I had a whole list of, I wish I had a whole series of clips. Maybe someone will produce that of the uh, incredible things he said. He was profound. He was so charming and he was so humble. And I know this because I interviewed Donald Rumsfeld. Um, I don't even remember what year. And he wrote a book called Known and Unknown. And it was my privilege to, to be able to talk to him. And, you know, he could have been so arrogant. I mean, who was I to interview him? But he was not that way at all. He had a great sense of humor. He was very self-deprecating. I remember seeing 
there was a clip with Brett Baer where he asked uh, Rumsfeld, what, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want history to say about you? And he said, I don't, I don't think about that. And Brett pressed him like three or four times. Are you always oh, sure you do? Sure you care? He, no, I don't. It doesn't matter. I'll be gone. I'm living for right now. I'm doing everything I can right now. And then Brett just would not have that because nobody in D.C. says that. Everybody in D.C. wants a legacy. They want to be important. They want to be remembered. But he wasn't thinking about that. And then I uh, there also, um, I don't know what his personal faith was. I just know that he was a regular church attender tender, and his wife was, uh, I heard a clip where she said, I love sitting in church next to him because I can just feel his his worship and his I feel his heart. Uh, we we worship every Sunday. So um, that's Donald Rumsfeld. We have lost a great man. And how I long for those days when we had people we could really, really respect. Now, he was controversial. The left hated him. He finally ended up having to resign because the, the, the left came after him during the Bush years. You know, he was one of those people that was hounded out. Uh, but boy, what a great man. And uh, so if you uh, you would love to, I, listen, I recommend you read about him. You will not be bored. He is just fascinating. All right, I want to tell you something else that's this, uh, blip, 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 happening today. 30 years ago today, President George Herbert Walker Bush nominated Federal Appeals Court Judge Clarence Thomas to the Supreme Court. Well, Judge Thomas has been one of the most steadfast conservatives on that court ever since you talk about common sense. I could wax eloquent about uh, Justice Thomas so often. Plus, he's like Rumsfeld, great sense of humor, very self-deprecating, a truly great man of our time. Well, why do I mention that today? Because because this is the last session of the Supreme Court for this term, and uh, they're going to be handing down some really important decisions today. I don't even know what. It's the final day. Um, but some are speculating that Stephen Breyer may choose this day, this anniversary of the nomination of staunch conservative um, uh, Clarence Thomas, uh, to resign and step aside and let the left have their way. Um, many don't think that the uh, Republican senators will—they've been, they've been confirming all of the leftist nominees of— of uh, President Biden. It's just shocking. It really, really is. And many people don't think that we can stop a radical left appointee to the court right now. I hope that's not true, uh, but I, I bet it is true because I've been around it too long and too close to D.C. and the way it works. But Stephen Breyer, watch for that. He may step down today because of this, well, in part because of the anniversary and in part because it's the last day of the court and in part because he's being pressured to step down. All right, we're going to open the phone lines and do email in just a second. So I hope you'll stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The reality of abortion is changing. The abortion industry is targeting vulnerable women even earlier in their pregnancies than ever before. Because of this change, we need to be there sooner. That's what ICU Mobile is all about. By showing a mother her baby by ultrasound on our mobile medical units right where she lives, we see four out of five women choose life. There is a way to combat abortion right on the ground. Join us at ICU Mobile, the pioneer of mobile medical ministry. We go serve women, go save lives, and go share Christ right in the communities where abortion is happening at the greatest rates all across the country. Four of five women see their ultrasound in our mobile units and choose life. Visit us now at icumobile.org to make a life-saving contribution. Or text LIVES to 45777. That's L-I-V-E-S to 45777. This is Pause to Pray. 
a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Jake Sullivan, United States National Security Advisor. He's the principal advisor to the president on all national security issues. Proverbs 11.14 reminds us of the importance of trusted advisors. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Jake Sullivan as he advises the president. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University, where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting Go Visit to the number 49596. Again, that's Go Visit to the number 49596. A New Jersey school district is facing a mountain of fury from parents after holidays like Christmas and Columbus Day were renamed as Days Off. School leaders in Randolph Township voted unanimously to keep specific holidays off the calendar, a decision that was made after controversy over Columbus Day. Last month, the school district changed the name of Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day, causing outrage among Italian Americans. They say it's an affront to their heritage, a slap in the face. But the school district says their decision was made for the sake of diversity and tolerance. In response to the uproar, the district decided to eliminate all holiday names. Christmas Day, day off. Good Friday, day off. Seems to me like common sense also took a day off. Be sure to download my free podcast and subscribe to my free newsletter at ToddSterns.com. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. My mom grew up real poor. She's doing well now. But it's just hard to shake that mentality, you know. Like one time, we went to the super fancy restaurant. And then she had this brand new Chanel purse. And as soon as the waiter goes away, she starts stuffing free bread in the purse. Just stuffing it. I'm like, Mom, we have bread at home. She's like, yeah, because I stole it from the other restaurant. <laughs> They're such dope people, man. They radicalized me when I was real young. Like, when I was a kid, they'd read me excerpts from Malcolm X's autobiography before I went to bed. And they had to stop, because I started to beat up the white kids on the playground. <laughs> I was like, you know what you did? <laughs> and they're all liberal kids, too. So they're like, ah, we deserve it, ah! Losers. Like, look, I'm liberal, but, dude, liberals are some of the funniest people on earth. Rich liberals are the best because they're very ashamed of all the money they have. You know? I feel like rich liberals were the ones who created that idea of checking your privilege just to be able to brag openly. Like, yeah, I'm a white, cisgendered, heterosexual male with a lot of family wealth, five cars, private jet, and you know what? That's just something I'm going to have to learn to live with.
have our struggles in this life, and this is mine. Okay, that's a black comedian, and I uh, that clip was on my. I've never heard of him before. It's a uh, Randall Otis. I just thought that was hilarious. You know, hardly anyone can get by with saying what he did. I guess Bill Maher is trying to say a few things now, uh, and some others are beginning to respond to the woke culture. Uh, it's killing comedy, that's for sure. Uh, but that, I thought that was hilarious, so I wanted you to hear it because heaven knows we don't have enough fun around here. I uh, I want to go through some of your email. I'm I'm uh, man, I got so many interesting things this morning, and um, it's a real challenge for me to get through all of them. And I'm trying. I got through I think just about every email this morning, so I cannot mention all of them, and I cannot respond to you personally. Rarely do I ever do that, and so please don't feel offended when I don't. I just don't have. It's just me. I don't have the staff to do that. Uh, and I don't have the bandwidth to do what I'd like to do. Uh, heaven knows I'd love to sit down with each and every one of you. I would. Uh, but, uh, okay, so with that in mind, let's start with um, let's start with just a few light things. Okay, maybe we could do that for a change. This is, um, this is from Gwen, and she's telling me we talked about the Trump rally in Ohio. She said, Newsmax advertised and carried it live very enthusiastically. It was great, and they will carry him in Sarasota next Saturday. So that must be this Saturday night. She said Trump looked great. It was a very serious crowd. Uh, She says the election was stolen and more than half of the country knows it. This is from, um, this is, okay, this is is from Kay, and she is in Waco, Texas. She belongs to a women's book club there, and she said, we're reading great books, and we read one by your former pastor, we will not be silenced. I recommend it highly. Will you have him on the show, or have I missed him when he was on? And that is Dr. Irwin Lutzer. And Kay, unfortunately, yes, you did miss him, because yes, of course, I had him on on that book. Um, so if you go back in the podcast, maybe you can find that and uh, listen to what he had to say. He's doing lots of, um, st- you know, he's going to be coming out with another book soon. You can't keep up with him, because he never stops writing. He's always got great new ideas. So, uh, And then this is from Bruce. And he is in uh, Elia, Elida, Elida, there you go. Oh, no, Elida, Ohio. He said there were good things happening here, which it's in West Central Ohio. He said the construction of our new elementary school building will be complete to start school in September. There is a growing movement to get released time religious instruction in our public schools through what is called the LifeWise Academy. You know, probably most of you don't know what that is. Uh, when I was a kid, every Friday, I think, we had what was called released time. And, of course, uh, schools could not um, evangelize or they were not allowed at that time. They should have been. the early, early In the early parts of our country, uh, the Bible study was part of school. Bible was just part of the curriculum because it's part of, you know, just basic human knowledge. But that changed, as you well know. So they started having letting various churches— uh, offer certain kinds of training, and you could go to whatever church you chose, and they would bus you there. And uh, you, you know, I remember the I remember the book we studied. I think I was twelve years old. It, it, what What is right and what is wrong? That was the name of the book. But that was released time, so the school wasn't teaching it, but we could choose and we could go. We didn't have to go. So that's what he's talking about when he says release time. So they're establishing a LifeWise Academy, hopefully to do that. Uh, he says it's LifeWiseAcademy.org. It provides religious instruction by teaching the Bible and incorporating character traits with it. It's done during the school day, and it's totally legal. follows these three—well, anyway, he's legal. And uh, it's 80%, the stats say, of children do not attend church, and 90% of children attend public schools. 
She, he talked about how local Christian TV station is jumping onto this. Different church denominations are working together to make it happen. Uh, businesses, a window business has donated over 30 premium windows free. Uh, and, and he goes through a lot of these people that are just jumping in to help build the school. Many of us in um, Elida are Elida. Sorry, Elida are looking forward to the impact that this will have on the families of the children that attend the uh, Elida LifeWise Academy, as well as the impact it will have on the entire community. So, and he says he's a retired teacher, and he's going to be um, he's going to be one of the teachers. So, isn't that a great idea? That really is a great idea. Something that you guys might want to think about. This is something you could do uh, in your community is establish something like this. If you want more information, I guess go to lifewiseacademy.org just for some ideas. Lifewiseacademy.org. Bruce, thanks for that heads up. That is good news. This is um, okay. One more light thing before you know we don't talk about many light things. This I told you last year. Last week, this is what happens when I have too much stuff in my mind. I misspeak. Have you noticed that? I wish you could. Ha- I wish there were a camera in here. Sometimes, if you could see the amount of information I'm trying to take in, and then to try to relate to you. And as I said to my uh, my team back there in Tupelo, one of my greatest strengths is that I study too much, and one of my greatest weaknesses is that I try to do too much. And I just fully confess that. I'm not sure I'll ever have a chance to change, but I do try to take in a lot, and it makes me jumble things sometimes. But this is, uh, last week I told you that one of my producers had weighed in uh, on the photo that we posted on Facebook of my family um, from who came home from Scotland. They're still here with us. <laughs> and uh, I heard from one of my producers in Chicago, Dave Weiser, from a long time ago. And uh, today I heard from another one, a uh, former producer named Ted Kajeski, I always used to call him the, the Unabomber, but he wasn't the Unabomber. And uh, he said, I've been listening to you quite a lot recently as I've been driving my wife to work. And um, he's in Moundville, Alabama now. And so, Ted, that's so cool and so nice of you to write and uh, just say hi. He said he's really, he's been listening and he's very, very kind about what we're doing here. So thanks a lot, Ted. I hope you're well. That was very kind of you to take a moment to, to contact me. This is, um, okay, down to the serious stuff. Critical race theory, we've talked about it a lot lately. This is from Charlotte. She says, a co-worker once described her dysfunctional mother to me by saying, when I was a child, if I said I'm cold, my mother would say, no, you're not. And that was the end of the conversation. It's dysfunctional to not allow others to have and express their own thoughts and feelings. One of the many problems with CRT is that it legitimizes this very dysfunction. Now, instead of just one child not being allowed to say, I'm cold, it is a whole segment of the population. And it teaches people not to trust their own perceptions of reality, which is damaging psychologically. Uh, That's really interesting, Charlotte. Never would have thought of that. And uh, I don't know what your profession is, but it sounds like related to something to do with the way people think. That's that's great, and it's a great point. Josh, my my, uh, ever-listening liberal young man friend, (laughs) and he is. Uh, Josh has written me, uh, he always writes me very thoughtful things, and I never can give him uh, the time he's due with what he pours into this. But I did read everything, Josh. Uh, He's a teacher in Boston. He says our town is about one-third Asian American, Indian, Chinese, Japanese, Korean, with very few black or Latino residents. And the faculty of our district is almost entirely white. Uh, so it would be very difficult for anyone in our town to truly appreciate or understand the historical or current struggles of oppressed minorities through our own lived experiences. 
So it's the school's job to challenge ourselves to provide appropriate information and context. Everything you say, Josh, is so well thought out. I, I, I wish I had the time to tell you why I think you're off base on this. He goes on to talk about uh, in great detail what he's uh, assigning his uh, sophomores, high school sophomores to read. Great stuff. Uh, but he says, Josh says that he does not have um, an outward-facing political agenda. He thinks that he's, Josh, you think you're being neutral. I know you do. But then you go down and tell me that, um, uh, you say, all the reasons you talk about how black Americans are oppressed and how people need to know about it and how it's part of our history. This is why federal legislation to overrule all of these bogus state voting laws cast in response to the big lie that our most unpopular and worst president somehow won re-election is so important to so many. See, Josh, the thing of it is you do have such a very strong bias, and the things that you read to me or you, the titles, uh, many of them, they have, you have a purpose in doing this. While you may pretend to be apolitical, you're not. Of course you're not. And you are choosing things based on everybody does this. Everybody does this. Uh, but you are choosing things that are molding your kids who are not experiencing racism. You, you're, you're, do you think maybe there are other things to talk about? Do you think there may be other things for them to think about and to be challenged to think about? Is it all about racism in this country? See, that's the thing. You you write to me about how what we did in the past to black Americans as though I don't know. Oh, you don't know, Josh, as I lived through that. I saw it. I was watching TV when I when hoses were turned on black Americans and they were not allowed in schools and my sister was in Atlanta. We used to go all the time. I saw whites-only fountains, and you know, I know a lot about this. I'm not, I don't speak about what I speak of out of ignorance. Uh, you're young. I mean, compared to me, you are young, and you're, you're reading in books. It's funny. I, I find this with a lot of young people. Uh, I don't know what the disease is, but they, they don't understand the knowledge of their, uh, of their elders, their parents, their uh, parents' friends. They don't have a lot of regard for that. They think that all that they've read and experienced is all there is in the world. And they don't understand. And Josh, I think that you don't know what you don't know. I've said that to you before. But I know it sounds to me like you're a great teacher. I think your skills sound impressive. But I would just challenge you. I'm glad you're listening to the show. I don't know why you do. Uh, but I'm really honored that you do. I wish we had more time to talk. Uh, and maybe I will call you at some point and we'll have just a back and forth on the air about our differences. That would be interesting. So uh, thanks for listening, and uh, thanks for your input. And you, one point you make is that critical race theory is not being taught, um, claiming that it's not being taught. But the truth is, Josh, it's not the, there's not like a book called Critical Race Theory that's being introduced. There's not like a five-point <laughs> doctrine about critical race theory. It's being implemented in all d- disciplines. You just actually you know, laid out for me all the ways you are teaching it, uh, without calling it critical race theory. So it's a little ingenuine to say that it's not being taught because it is. And you're, you're uh, expediting it. So um, this is from uh, Craig. He says, I have a nephew that's 26 years old. He's very smart. Uh, he could have been a doctor, but instead he became an EMT. He's always wanted to serve. Uh, he wanted to be a Green Beret. He wanted to be a policeman, which is now what he is. He's been there about two years. Then now he wants to go to the FBI. And then, then Craig says, the more and more I hear about the way it is used to be, it used to be from your husband, Bruce, and the way it is now, it scares me. Should I discourage him to go into the FBI or point out what has happened to that organization? Um, and then he says, my nephew is a Christian. Okay, so this is, these are my thoughts. Look, humanly speaking, 
This is a bad time to go into the FBI. This is a bad time to go into the military. This is a bad time to be a teacher. This is a bad time to be a doctor. So I think what we have to do is uh, certainly make our kids aware of the dangers of what's going on. Uh, He's old enough now, probably, 26, uh, that he could withstand a lot of stuff. And I would just say that if we withdraw from these kinds of jobs, uh, then those institutions will further fold. I know that some on the inside in the FBI now are really upset and they don't know what to do and they're being forced to do things that they don't believe in. So they could use help from someone like your nephew. You know, your nephew does need to know what the reality is of that, but I would I would just say just if you, as long as you're willing, you know you're going into the buzzsaw, uh, then go into that buzzsaw. If you want to save people, then an organization like the FBI needs to be saved and the medical profession needs to be saved. And the reason I say that, I have in my hand are like several people writing me about what colleges and universities are doing. Oh, I have to get to this one too. Um, okay, so some of you are saying, what do I do about vaccinations? How can I fight back? And uh, Lisa wrote me to say that America's frontline doctors are offering legal, a legal team to help you navigate some of these restrictions or forced vaccinations. There's a legal tab at that website, americasfrontlinedoctors.org, americasfrontlinedoctors.org. Under the legal tab, you should be able to get some help. Um, Keith is telling me that the University of Illinois is now mandating vaccines for all three campuses. That's my husband's law school alma mater. I'm sure he'll be thrilled to hear that. And um, uh, now in Indiana, and I mentioned this in passing, but Ed is reminding me again, it was the University of Indiana where uh, students are filing a lawsuit against the university for these forced vaccinations. And Louisiana State University students did that, and they actually won. Liberty Council got involved there. So these are ideas I'm throwing out very quickly. Um, Oh, boy. Keith is telling me that Morgan Stanley is barring unvaccinated staff and clients from their offices. And uh, then he talks about this hospital in Frederick, Maryland, uh, where they're implementing it. You know, the medical profession has just uh, become corrupt on this. They cannot be trusted on treatments for COVID, on vaccinations. It's just amazing. I have this really, uh, I'm not going to get to all of this. I Maybe I will. I'm going to want to open the phone lines, though, okay? So our phone number is 8, see, I make it up as I go along, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. We'll open the phone lines, and I'll try to get through a few more of these because they are very important. Okay, thank you for listening. Be right back. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. CNS News asked Senator Blumenthal if a 15-week-old unborn baby is a human being. The senator wouldn't answer, but said he'd wait for the Supreme Court to decide. It's sad political power and money cause politicians to turn their back on unborn, helpless boys and girls in the womb. God's Word describes personhood in the womb, and science proves it. Why do we need the Supreme Court to tell us what's so abundantly clear? I'm Pastor John Miller. Visit me at churchontherock.org. Today's culture is opting for entertainment rather than biblical enlightenment. For those who resist that trend, Friends of Israel shows listeners why loving the Jewish people and supporting Israel is important to the Christian faith. Friends of Israel shares biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah and promotes solidarity with the Jewish people. This is Chris Katolka of the Friends of Israel Today radio program heard each weekend on this station, and here's what's happening in Israel. Friends of Israel, Saturday afternoon at 2, here on American Family Radio. 
You shall not covet your neighbor's house or anything that's your neighbor's. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said, an economic system that allows billionaires to exist is immoral. Someone may want to let the former bartender turned congresswoman know that the top 1% of wage earners pay nearly 50% of all federal taxes. The top 10% of wage earners pay nearly 70% of all federal taxes. And the top 20% of wage earners pay about 85% of all federal taxes. That money funds things like our national welfare programs. Don't let them entice you to harbor disdain for the wealthy. Socialists bank on covetousness to gain support for their regressive policies. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Brian Fisher here with the Life and Liberty Minute. A dangerous error has crept into the ideology of the Supreme Court. It's called stare decisis, a Latin phrase which means let the decision stand. It's the theory that once the court has issued an opinion, that opinion must be applied in all subsequent decisions, even if the opinion is fatally flawed. This is the only thing propping up Roe v. Wade. Even regressive justices believe Roe was wrongly decided, but they continue to affirm it just from inertia and habit. They're afraid to correct their terrible ruling from 1973, and so 63 million babies have suffered excruciating deaths. But a terrible ruling is terrible no matter how long it's been around. The court will have the chance to correct this monstrous evil in a case from Mississippi. Let us fervently pray that this time around they will choose life. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. America lost one of its most remarkable men this week. Donald Rumsfeld served his country with distinction in uniform in the Congress. As NATO ambassador and in such key executive branch positions as White House Chief of Staff and twice as Secretary of Defense. Rummy was equally impressive during his time as a successful business leader. Drawing on both life experiences, the Secretary developed Rumsfeld's Rule, a handbook filled with wry insights and practical prescriptions informed by hard experience and the help of his friends. One of his most trenchant maxims was widely condemned when he uttered it, but is as true today as ever. Quote, you go to war with the army you have, unquote. Even as we mourn Donald Rumsfeld's passing, we would do well to remember that admonition by ensuring that our military is once again truly second to none. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. It was interesting to hear Frank uh, talk about uh, Donald Rumsfeld. Frank was an undersecretary of defense. Uh, I'm sure he served with Rumsfeld in some capacity, and I actually tried to get him on this morning, and we couldn't. But honestly, uh, I would just recommend that you read about Donald Rumsfeld today. You'll have to look for it. It doesn't seem like uh, much of the media is paying attention, but what a great man. Uh, And uh, I've already talked about it. I'll talk about it probably more next week. We're going to talk with uh, Congressman Dan Crenshaw and... uh, We'll, we'll maybe talk. <laughs> I'd like to do a contrast between uh, Donald Rumsfeld and uh, Mark Milley, the current uh, Secretary of Defense. A little bit of a contrast there. So that'd be an interesting discussion, wouldn't it? Uh, okay, back to email and then back to the phones or to the phones for the first time. 
This is from Barbara, and um, she is correcting me. I said a few days ago that the Shah of Iran was uh, killed, and he was he died in exile in Egypt. Uh, he and his wife well, were very America-friendly, and um, they were exiled, and she's right about that. I think I, I misspoke. I was really, I think, thinking about Anwar Sadat. He was killed by uh, Islamic Jihad in Egypt about that same, in that same era of time. So I misspoke about that. So she's right. The Shah of Iran was not killed. Uh, he fled and died in exile in Egypt, uh, but it was Anwar Sadat, the president of Egypt, who was killed by the jihadists. Okay. So let me just at least mention this shortly. This is just so profound, and I can't roll over it quickly, but I must. Ken sent this to me, and he's suggesting this incredible book called Unfit for the Future. Um, they're, it's written by bioethicists. bioethicists, bioethicists uh, the subtitle is The Need for Moral Enhancement. He says, these bioethics departments are the ones developing much of what we're seeing in the public square. They believe, because we are evolving, that it's morally acceptable to enhance our morals. This is exactly what C.S. Lewis was talking about in The Abolition of Man and The Hideous Strength. And here's a quote for the introduction. I am not going to be able to read all of this, because I'd have to read it really slowly. It's C.S. Lewis, it's brilliant, but I'll read just a tiny bit of it. We shall contend that in order for the majority of citizens of liberal democracies to be willing to go along with constraints on their extravagant consumption, their moral motivation must be enhanced so that they pay more heed to the interests of future generations and non-human animals. This could be done partly by the traditional methods of moral education, by regular reflection on the grounds of reasons that make actions morally right, and by vivid representations of what it could feel like to be at the receiving end of wrongful actions. But our knowledge of human biology, in particular of genetics and neurobiology, is now beginning to supply us with means of directly affecting the biological or physiological basis of human motivation by the use of pharmacological and genetic methods, by genetic selection and engineering. I can't read any more of it, but you get the the drift of it. And um, I think Ken is, of course, talking probably alluding to the vaccines uh, and other things. It's just that's just a tip tip of the iceberg. And he's pointing out that C.S. Lewis was writing about that in uh, his Abolition of Man and that hideous strength during the fifties. So that's really that's uh, that's great, uh, Ken. I will look for that book, and I'll put that on my list of the other things of the other things I need to do. Okay, so. I want to alert you that Jennifer has alerted us that she can't get to us on Facebook. My name does not come up when she puts it in the search bar. And the only reason I mention it to you, I I, see I'm, I can't, I don't know this unless I'm told, um, is that when I'm giving you an article on the air, I know this is really inconvenient, but you might want to try to always have a pencil ready or paper or something so that you can directly write down the articles and you can search them directly on Google, but... If you're trying to look for it on our Facebook page, you might have trouble. I don't know what the rules are, and I don't know what, you know, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, but that's uh, that. thanks for that alert from Jennifer. Okay, so, um, yeah, uh, one mother uh, um, contacted me, uh, and she doesn't want me to talk about this uh, in particulars, except that her son is trying to go to a university, and they're demanding that he get this vaccination, and she's very upset because of what we talked about and uh, she's wanting to know if I can help. And I guess the best way I could help is to repeat what Lisa sent, and this is AmericasFrontlineDoctors.org. Uh, 
at americasfrontlinedoctors.org, look under their legal tab and see if you can get some help from a doctor about what can be done about that. All right, so, um, oh, man, I, I mean, I'm going to save this one because I need to go to the phone lines and it's going to require some time. Uh, let's go to let's go to Pete in Georgia. Good morning, Pete. How are you? Hey, Sandy. Great. How are you? I'm really hey, good. Uh, uh, yeah, and you know, thank you for the wonderful job you do. It's just a, it's a joy to wake up and listen to you in the morning. Um, thank you. I just want to let you you know absolutely. Um, what we're doing here in Savannah, Georgia, uh, that anybody can do anywhere in the country, and we're we're um, we're calling it running of the flag, and what we're doing is. Um, Carrying the American flag around uh, Forsyth Park, which is our, our biggest, most prominent uh, it's like central park in Savannah. And we're going to do it 245 times. But, like, if we have 10 people behind it, that, that counts as 10 laps. And we're doing a check-in and check-out so people can write down their names and phone numbers and email address and how many laps they did. But um, it's just a show of patriotism. One of our friends here bought 250 American flags. And we're and we're getting we're you know, a local store donated waters and ice, and it's a really easy project, and it's uh, something that you can do every year, and the list will grow, and it's just a public display that look here are a bunch of people who love our country. Cool, that's cool. So you call it the running of the flag? Yeah. Exactly. Okay, the run. And if they, if people, if, if Pete, if people wanted to find out more about it, could is there a, a, a like a website if they if they Google running of the you flag? Know, uh, I, I would suggest go to. I, I try not to use Facebook, but um, it, on Facebook the, the page is the Savannah Freedom Exchange. Okay, Savannah. F- yeah, because people might want to know about more about it, and this is something they could easily do in their communities. That's a great idea, Pete. And I like good news. We don't get enough of it, so it's great. It's great. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be fun. <laughs> yeah. Are you guys gonna do it for this weekend for the fourth? We're, we're doing it. All, yeah, we're actually doing this. Is gonna be on the third because uh, it's Saturday morning, and yeah. uh, we're starting at nine o'clock. You know, I'll be there at seven thirty. But um, setting up. But um, it goes like basically from nine till noon. And uh, people can come any time during okay. that time frame. You don't have to be there at nine, and it, it, and uh, just come if you bring a flag. If you don't have one, just and people walk on the sidewalk. They didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, yeah. Here, you know, we have flags. Here, just walk the okay. flag around. That's good, Pete. That's great. And uh, yeah, okay. So I pre- listen. If you get take some pictures and send them to me at sandy at afr dot net or one picture. I'll be happy with one picture. Okay. Sandy at AFR.net, and, and it would be just great to see a little example of what you did on Saturday morning. Thank you, Pete, from Georgia. Let's go to Charlinda in Texas. Good morning, Charlinda. Good morning. So what's on um, your mind? I to, well, I wanted to make a comment about Critical Race Theory, and the movie Pleasantville is a really good movie about morals and how they can be changed positively and about racism itself. And they use pastel colors, bright colors, um, to make the point about, you know, like no colors only or no colors allowed, um, whites only. And it's a movie that's begun in black and white. I don't know if you've seen it, but it really is a good point or makes a good point about racism itself and how morals can be improved if people choose to improve them. And, and I think it does make a difference about about humanity 
And we need to understand that everybody matters. It's not the color of the skin. It's the, the heart that really matters. Absolutely, Charlinda. Thank you. Thanks for that reminder every single day. Thank you. Let's go to uh, Sandy in Texas. Good morning, Sandy. We have all of our callers. The rest of them are from Texas. That That's okay. Okay, Sandy, what's on your mind? Um, we have two things real quick. Um, one, uh, back a while ago, you talked about a movie called The Son of God, and I watched it, and I was kind of disturbed by it regarding the Mary that was in all the scenes that was very unbiblical, and then how they showed the ark, how it was leaking, um, that it seemed to undermine some of the, a lot of the aspects of the Bible. But the main reason I'm calling... Oh, wait, 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 wait. I don't, even, I don't remember the ark being in that movie, Son of God. You sure we were watching the... Was it the one produced by, uh, yeah. what's her name? I can't think of her name. Okay, well, I don't, I don't remember that. I thought it was great. So we'll just have to disagree on that if you watch the same movie I did. Okay, so what else did you want to say? Okay, so I work in a pharmacy, and um, I just wanted to say that regarding Obamacare, there was a reason that they brought that program into play. It wasn't because of the aspect of, you know, helping the poor people. Um, in the pharmacy setting, we can tell when people are using, it used to be very obvious. Now they've hit, kind of hidden it the program inside the regular program so it becomes less obvious to identify it. But if you're using if you're using Obamacare and you are here as a um, what do you what do they call it? Chain, chain migration when you bring in your uh, parents yes. and your family yes. members. Yep. Okay. Yep. So if, if you're from if you're from a, a an, you know, maybe like India, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Middle East, if you're from any of those countries and you bring your parents over here I can guarantee you when they come through the pharmacy to pick up their medicines, they'll pay no deductible and they'll pay, have no copay. So all of the people who have uh, paid into the Medicare systems, the senior citizens, they'll have their $300 deductible and then they'll have their copay. Yeah. But yeah. If, if you are on Obamacare and you, you came in by chain migration or you're here, um, you, you came in from those same countries and you're on Obamacare, your copays will be zero. Yeah, that's, well, that's... Why that program because they knew under Obama that they were going to bring all those people into the United States and they had to somehow figure out how to cover them medically in order for them to be able to stay here. Yeah, Sandy, that's really uh, bad news. Just another, another injustice, another wrong that we feel uh, it's just uh, those of you in the medical profession, I guess, are the ones that are going to have to speak up about that. Uh, but it's just another thing to fight. Thanks for bringing my, that to my attention. Thank you. Let's go to uh, Jerry in Texas. Good morning, Jerry. Yes, good morning, Sandy. Hey, I'm a uh, educator of 20 years. You were talking earlier about a caller who uh, was encouraging people to enter into fields of service like military and education. Yes. And it's not easy It's not easy to do that now. If you go to higher ed jobs, the, uh, one of the largest sites for hiring uh, people of higher education, they now post a big letter D next to uh, uh, postings where the school specifically says, we are seeking intentionally to diversify our faculty, meaning that if you're a white male, don't bother applying for this job. We're not going to hire you. We only want minorities and people of gender. 
And other, other postings are a little uh, disingenuous. They simply state that the ideal candidate must have a knowledge of gender and minority issues. Meaning if you're not a minority or a woman or part of the LGBT community, you can't possibly be able to teach students because you don't have a working knowledge. So that's the issue in trying to uh, get into education these days. Wow, Jerry, that's uh, I'm not surprised because we saw this coming. Just wasn't sure exactly what form it would take. Uh, that if you had the wrong thinking, you would be shut out of all professions, and that really is going to—that is our future. So, are you still teaching? Uh, no, I was non-renewed, among with about twenty other oh. faculty at my school. After a new president came in and started uh, doing things to uh, change the faculty makeup. I am so sorry, so, Jerry. In, in, in Texas, we don't have tenure. We simply have rolling contracts that can be non-renewed. So there is no, no uh, recourse to being non-renewed. You simply are just non-renewed. Did you hear that email I, I, re- I read earlier in that town in Ohio that's uh, developing, the community is developing a Christian school? Yes, I have. Well, I just, I don't know, just an idea. I, you know, yeah. obviously that's a overwhelming challenge. It might not be something you could even think of, but I would hope that something like that could help you and also help your community. Just a thought. I'm so sorry, Jerry. That's that's terrible. But I mean, I do think this is our future, where we will not be able to get employed, and uh, we will not be able to find jobs or even buy and sell. I really do think that we're headed for that, and you are just on the front lines there, experiencing it first. It's just tough. I appreciate the heads up on that. Let's go to. Um, I can't get to the last calls. I'm so sorry. Um, I also wanted to get to an email from Marie about her son being arrested and being in jail, and we'll get to that one. Maybe I'll, I'll save this and do it on Monday. Uh, and uh, Karen has suggested something that I love. She's asking me to post the names and addresses of those pe- people incarcerated in those D.C. jails from the January 6th protest so that we can write them. So I'm gonna, I'm working on trying to do that. So uh, just so you know, hey, great, we're going to have a great show tomorrow. It's going to be very controversial. It's on race, so you might want to be sure and listen. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.